this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for a geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Mullinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch our favorite animated shows. In this episode, when Grunkle Stan decides to run for mayor, Dipper and Mabel have their work cut out for them trying to turn their gaff-prone uncle into a perfect candidate. We're talking about Gravity Falls, the Stanchurian candidate this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. This one's a fun one. Yeah, it, it has some good wrinkles in it, but they could have made it more complicated in, like, grooming Grunkle Stan for being a politician. But instead, they just bypassed that and used a magic tie, so it was a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. A little creepy at times. And, uh, more than a little. We'll, yeah. we'll get into that. I've got some notes on that. More than a little creepy. I've got the, just to say, I've got the words war crimes <laughs> <laughs> coming up here. Been a good week too we had a surprise snow the other day like we weren't expecting snow and i was i was just sitting in my room and i looked outside i'm like those are some really thick raindrops and i walked outside i'm like fuck it's snowing in georgia isn't that what snow is anyway just basically chubby rain <laughs> well that was kind of the thing is just like it was supposed to stay north of us so we weren't like we knew that the, the georgia mountains were going to be getting snow but it wasn't going to be this far south so i walked outside and i was just like Fuck, it's snowing. Whoa. We've got actual authentic it's it's it could be deeper, but we've like I've had to show I had to shovel the driveway more than I had to last winter combined so far. So it's bit it's all everywhere's white outside. I'm kind of happy it's like real winter here. This is it, I like looking outside and seeing snow on the trees and snow on the ground. Have you taken Miss Bernice out and like put your little kitty in the snow? No, Miss Bernice is not going outside until Miss Bernice has been spayed. Otherwise, Miss Bernice will take off like a shot, especially right now. It will take off like a shot and won't come back till her belly's full of babies. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no yeah. outside for Bernice until till she's she's safe. We're waiting for Zeb because we want to have like a few inches of snow to like introduce him to snow. But we haven't had that like. When I say we had surprise snow, like, it didn't even, like, do a full dusting on the ground. It was just kind of like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ground holds a lot of heat and just, like, will suck it right up. And so, like, in the few years we've had Zeb, we haven't had a good snow. So we're waiting for, like, that good snow, couple inches on the ground to take him outside and just drop him in it. (laughs) He may have had... Zeb was an outdoor... was a stray, right, when you got him? He was, but he was kind of a kitten. And actually, the year that we, even if he was, like, because he was young when we got him, we didn't have snow that year. It's actually been a few years since we've had, I think, like, 2017, since we had, like, inches on the ground. Maybe 2018, but he, I don't think he's seen us snow yet, to be honest with you. He does like the cold weather, though, because he's fat and fuzzy. He's a really big boy with a ton of fur. And he's and he's black, so he absorbs lots of sunlight anyway. He can lay right in the in a window if it's even if it's cold in your living room. He could lay in the window and just be like a solar collector. You can tell when he gets hot because he'll be like laying in the window and the sun will hit him, and then he'll just get up and move to the shadow and just like lay back down and go right back to sleep. Like you can tell yeah. like when he gets. Sometimes hot. Sometimes he'll just flip over and marinate the other side too. 
Bernice has a window right on the morning sun side of the house, so every morning she's just there. They're, they're, they're building up the vitamin E on their fur so they can lick it off. But that doesn't matter because we're talking about Gravity Falls. No cats in this episode. We got a pig. Usually we got a pig almost every episode. Yeah. Swines for Stan. Spread the word. We're guaranteed a pretty much a pig every episode and mostly every episode a goat. A pig and a goat. Remember when they got married? <laughs> that, was a, that was great. Did you like Good this times. episode? I did like this episode. I liked it, and uh, I was frankly shocked. <laughs> shocked? At, yeah, at how how in, how dark it was. This is this was pretty dark. Yeah, yeah, it was. But it wasn't as dark as it could be, like with its references to the Manchurian Candidate, because it was it was a very very surface Manchurian Candidate reference that just happened to work out great because it's Stan Churian candidate but it wasn't like Stan was taken over for a nefarious de- or, you know programmed to do something at a certain time and not aware of it sort of thing it was just a straight up just taken over like a dummy sort of thing and it was used more to comical effect through like just sort, sort of puppeteer jokes which you know me I like my puppeteer jokes it would have been different if like Bill was like in his brain controlling him to manipulate the town or something. That was one of the remember when I was uh, one of my um, predictions was Ford may not be what he's what he seems or yeah. Ford it may not be, you know, maybe have something in him that he doesn't know about or something. That's what I thought could have was a potential because they can say Stan and it could mean either of them. At this point, Ford is a way to delineate it, but in the title, it could that could relate to either Stanford or Stanley. Actually, yeah, that actually uh, got me this episode because I never noticed it before. But like when they're having the town hall scene and stuff like that, Bud Gleeful called Stan Stanford, and then it hit me that everyone in the town still thinks he's Stanford. Like no, yeah. none of them know that he's Stanley, and that was like the first time I noticed that. I was just like, oh, they all think he's still Ford. So this this episode could have been the reveal that like Ford was under the control of Bill Cipher or something like that, but it just it ended up being more fun. I like this episode a lot. Stan's my favorite character of the entire show, so I'm I'm always here for like Stan stuff. Yeah, that, at the end of this episode, I was like, oh, hope love this part. <laughs> Oh, I think Uncle Stan, hell yeah. That's exactly, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, past the, you know, Uncle Stan, like, I think Stan is the best written character of this entire show. The only beef I have with this, but I can't really talk about it too much until, like, we really start getting to the end, is just, I I still, like, these kind of, like, last handful of episodes from Not What He Seems to the finale, I, I wish these episodes were handled better, but I can't really go too much into detail until you have more context for the rest of the show. And it's it's just mainly just like, you know, Ford comes in so late. It's so hard to have a lot of development with Ford when he comes in so late and there's only a handful of episodes left. If I had my druthers, I would have like almost every show sort of focusing on Ford at this point. Yeah, yeah. To get him up to speed to everybody else. Character-wise, at least, I mean, you could dump information about his character, but there's character 
development just in time spent with the viewer. So there's definitely always going to be, you're almost always going to be left wanting more with Ford. Like, this could still be a Stan episode, but can the dynamic would have been different if, say, like, you know, Ford was, like, you're running for mayor and, like, having, like, them having a conversation about that. And, like, Ford just being like, well, let me help you. And he's just like, no, I'm going to do this on my own because, like, you, you know, and have that, like, fight come back up um, of just... Stan always, and I'm slightly touching on my notes now, but, like, Stan always, like, kind of living in Ford's shadow his pretty much his entire life, and he's finally doing something for himself, and he's just like, no, I'm going to do this on my own. I don't need you. I never needed you. And, so, you know, there, there was so much they could have done there. And that's that's my biggest gripe with episodes like these because we only have Ford for a scene, and it's we're getting late in the show. I would probably be like like arguing with you right now, going ah, well, if I didn't know that it was done after the season, that there was only a few episodes left. If I if I thought this was an ongoing season, I'd be like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll get to yeah. know for in the future, you yeah. know. If there was a season three, like I'd be perfectly fine with the slower pace of his character, but there's not. We we have this episode. We have three episodes and then the three part finale. That's it. Yeah. I will say that the published journal number three does so much legwork for Ford. Like, this, this physical book that I'm holding does so much legwork for him. That's a flaw because <laughs> it should be on the show first. Well, yeah, did it come, but it is. It came out afterwards. Come, right, right. So yeah. it's providing stuff that people wanted that they didn't have. So it's, it's. It's filling in where they wouldn't have wanted to fill that in before. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so, you know, there's just good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you ready to get into this since we're already kind of getting into it? I am. We already are getting into it. Yeah. I know. <clears throat> the Stanchurian Candidate is the 34th episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on August 24th, 2015. It was written by Alex Hurst. Jeff Rowe, Josh Weinstein, and Michael Rianda. The director was Matt Braley, and the storyboard artists were Dana Terrace, Luke Weber, and Sabrina Catagno. Some extra information for you. Tad Strange is voiced by Cecil Baldwin. He's best known for voicing Cecil in the popular podcast Welcome to Night Vale. So here's a little bit of fun fandom tidbit of why it's a joke in the show, and also just from the time period this episode was running. Because Baldwin was known to voice this really strange and weird podcast and this character, you know, Welcome Night Vale, fans thought he was going to be this really crazy character like his Night Vale counterpart. People were actually creating, like, AU versions of Bill Cipher, thinking it was uh, going to be Baldwin's character, and it was like a square with a bowler hat. <laughs> so... Yeah. Meanwhile, he only had, like, an hour to go into the... They were like... He was like, hey, can I be on your show? They're like, yeah, we, you know, we got an hour free or something. You know, they just came in and put in a few lines, and people are like, he's going to be the ghost. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, and that's kind of what happened. They what they revealed that his name was Tad Strange, which is a play on the phrase a tad bit strange. And Cecil Baldwin had put this on his IMDb account before getting the OK to do it. So people well, that that's the speculation. But some people, you know, Alex Hirsch is so good about trolling people with leaks. Was a tad bit strange like one of his phrases that he used in the in the show or something? I don't think so. Oh, it's been, like, years since I've listened to Welcome to Night Vale. I honestly mm. don't remember. 
So the speculation was just really high for his character to be like this kind of like weird Bill Cipher AU counterpart and stuff like that, which is why the joke is so funny that he's just this like super normal guy who like white who likes white bread and is just the most normal guy in town. <laughs> and that's why that joke is so funny. So that's kind of behind the scenes stuff. Well, I knew there had to be some. There felt like there was something more to it because it was a it was a decent gag, but it was kind of it, it was just kind of weird. It seemed like there was something that I wasn't getting. It was the Welcome to Nightville stuff. Yeah, that and that was it. Yeah, it was it was the fandom part of it because if I'd been involved in the fandom, even if I didn't know what Welcome to Nightville was, I probably would have heard about heard about that and been like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So sometimes the show does like to play with this meta a little bit. That's okay. That's why we got this first part of the show for me. <laughs> In anticipation for this episode, a website and a Twitter account called Stan Pines for Mayor were created to help promote this episode. And both of those accounts at the time of this recording are still up. So you can go on like the website. There's an entire section about Waddle saying like, you don't make Waddle sad, vote for Stan. <laughs> and so you can still go to those websites and stuff. When Gideon recites the spell on Bud, his words are unintelligible. But when the audio is played backwards, he is saying, Spooky evil spells! Spooky evil spells! Spooky evil spells! Spooky spells! Spooky spells! <laughs> and finally, some of the crimes Stampines has committed that are listed in words or on the episode include snacks evasion, pickpocketing, woodpecker baiting, impersonating a dentist, General incendiary, goth cart, goth cart theft, yeah. bingo fraud, telling o telling overly now I'm long. Just seeing a, uh, I'm seeing a cart for goths that's all black. Goth carts. <laughs> beep, beep. My cart has yeah, exactly. It's yeah. <laughs> and pug trafficking. It was funny because I didn't freeze frame it because I go, ah, oh, this will all be in the show. But I did freeze frame all the headlines of the newspapers so I could read all the – so I could make sure I get – and it was funny because each newspaper had a gag headline and then story on the side, a side one that, like, was actually, you know, more people drop out of mayor's race, more people drop out of mayor's race. And I'm like, okay, so there were – so those newspapers were gags, but they were actually doing a little sort of story work too. But I doubt the way they went by, you were you'd have to freeze frame them to pick up the people dropping out of the race. Most, yeah, they're they're like that a lot of times. If you freeze frame like any like news articles and stuff like that, or anything with words on this show, they're just yeah, everything's gags. gonna be worth reading. Yeah, for yeah. sure, everything's meant to be stopped and read, but like. It's often just a bunch of fun gags, you know, but every yeah. once in a while, there's still some story stuff in there. My favorite still is in the shorts where Mabel was like holding up a history book and it was just like the summary of Air Bud. That's <laughs> still my favorite. <laughs> well, as always, Hopeless Chris Watch Cartoons is broken into parts. Part one will be the story themes and character. Part two is going to be a reading from Dipper's Journal. The next part will be the cipher and connections to previous episodes. And finally, we'll have Chris's speculation corner. So, Chris, what was your favorite part of the episodes? All the 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 guy with the America shirt with the weird. Now, I, I don't know. I could didn't recognize that flag, but it wasn't an American flag unless it was like some sort of it's earlier. A, it's like a symbol version of it because his name in the show is America guy. Oh, OK. 
Cause I, I, I was just like, that's kind of, cause they were real. I was like, are they just doing American flags like that for as some gag, but there were real American flags portrayed in it. I have Tad strange. I just thought Tad strange was funny. Yeah. Not even knowing this history. Um, <laughs> yes, we stand. I thought that was a good joke. And I like the get em guys. Girl scream was, was a, was an excellent, excellent girl scream. Tyler, is excellent this entire one because I, I almost noted one of his other things which was after the Gideon controlled Bud does his like little song and dance he's just like vote me vote Bud uh, and he poses and in the background Tyler just goes yay yeah he starts <laughs> well he was an enthusiast he's an enthusiasm enthusiast so <laughs> I love him the thing about him is he doesn't get really he he's hilarious but that the the blush is just like I don't know. It reminds me almost of uh, Ren and Stimpy when Stimpy would just be like joy, <laughs> and like his whole face would just be like melting with like. Huh. His characters, his characters, hilarious. He's like a great background character. They're all great background characters. I I knew he was gonna win. I knew for, as soon as I like. I noticed a million people threw in, but he was like, he was the only other one that you sort of like knew saw was in the race too. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's good. He's he, he, the get him guy is going to win because there's no way this show will be any fun with Stan as mayor too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or, or it would have been, or yeah, if Gideon's dad won, that would have been, I would have been like, oh, okay, here's where the final plot's coming in. But yeah. yeah. Actually, Tyler is one of my, like, well, two of my favorite points. I just love his little speech of, like, education? Get it. <laughs> Prosperity? Get it. A gravity falls we can be proud of? Get it. And then when he wins, he just goes, got it. <laughs> well, it's so funny because at the beginning of the, show, the series, he was, like, sort of the get em guy because there were a couple of fights. And at each of the fights, he was like, get him, get him, so he was sort of like the little wimpy guy that wants to see people fight. So it was like that was his one joke. But then as you learn, as his character, quote unquote, deepens throughout of it, you find out, no, he's just adopting get it to every situation because he's just going almost like the cheerleader route, the, the, the total positivity enthusiasm enthusiast and we saw it with his mom uh, a few episodes ago when we were in the past and his mom was just like get out get out like you're ready yeah. for family but i, I love tyler <laughs> I, I like how you said that like because well one of my notes is about the people of this town and how they've kind of developed which is important we'll get to that in a minute very quickly my other two favorite parts is i'm always a sucker for lord of the rings memes so when they have a lord of the rings meme with stan i was just laughing it's just like one cannot simply tell like children to beat each other up or whatever it's if it had been made this year it would have been gideon's dad walking down the street and then like a guy turning his head to look at gideon's oh. dad with uncle stan on his girlfriend's head oh yeah have you seen the full like saga of that stock photo oh yeah where yeah, it ends yeah. up like the two girls end up getting together was that the original like where they got it from well, or is that did they get the get all the actors to get the 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 models together and somebody re, re memed it it's just a series of stock photos and 
But when you put all of those actors' stock photos together, it's just, like, this whole thing where, like, the girl ends up leaving the guy, and, like, then the, the two girls, like, learn to bond, and then the two girls end up getting together. And I think the guy ends up with another guy. Like, it's, like, a series of just stock photos. I have to find it. It's really great. And, of course, my other favorite part is just the return of Uncle Stan, because, Lord, do I love Uncle Stan. I knew you were going to love that. As soon as, as, soon as the, the sleeves get ripped off, I'm like, oh, hope. Okay, Hope's got notes. Oh, I love him. Where do you want to start? I've only got two notes, but they're all—they're both dark. So one's less dark, the other is the horrifying dark. Then let's start with the town, since we were already kind of talking about it. Something I really like about the series is, you kind of phrased it what, right, like sort of deepening Tyler's character, but they kind of do that by, at this point with the show, with everybody in the town. Like, if you go back and watch, like, the Gobble Unger episode, you know, like, we're getting, like, the stereotypes of everybody. But we've been with these people for two seasons. And so, like, we have an idea of who they are, that they're good people, that they're nice people. And I love this episode because it's pretty much the entire town is in this episode. Like, we see Robbie's parents. We see the teenagers. We see, like, Manly Dan and Tyler and Lazy Susan. And I like that. I, I like that we get... One episode with everyone together this late in the show. Well, I remember way back at the Gobblewonker episode, like seeing all the town around the lake and stuff. And we were talking about like how many people, you know, characters they were just throwing out there. And it was like, well, you know, when you throw out all those characters, that gives the writer's room a chance to use them all as gags. Then you'll start using them with, as gags more than once. And then the, all of a sudden you'll get ideas and then they'll become, you can work them into the plot like McGucket, you know, where he was just sort of like, he was like a plot element as a crazy townsperson. And then he was just a running gag of just turning up in, in really dumb places and being, being crazy and crazy old guy and a little sketchy. And then he became a, a major plot element. Yeah. Maybe he was originally planned on being a plot element, but I get more of the feeling that they knew that a certain number of the townspeople would end up as plot elements, but they just sort of let it grow in the writer's room as they went on to pick characters that, like, the audience was really into, you know, the audience responded to and the writers responded to. I don't, I think they might have had to show, I might be wrong about this, so take this with a grain of salt. I'm not sure if that was true, because by the time season two, one was finishing airing, they were almost done with season two. But I could be wrong about that. It, it's so weird with the hiatuses. Yeah, I think they, they, they might have plotted it all the way through, maybe from the beginning, or plotted each season all the way through. I don't think they start... Well, maybe they do start production with everything written, but even so, when you write everything... Yeah, it's hard to say. It's yeah. hard to say. Maybe maybe more the feedback from the viewers is picked up between seasons and stuff like that. It's just like with animation you have, because we know this from like Star Wars. With animation, they just have to have it done so far in advance. But they also went into that weird, weird release cycle where there was a lot of time between episodes. So they maybe had more time for people's feedback to affect the show. I don't know. Maybe someday we'll get one of these guys on and uh, pin them down. Another good example, like kind of like smaller than McGecket, would be someone like Lazy Susan. 
because, you know, she was introduced in the very first episode, like everybody else in the Gobblewonker. But then we got kind of got to know her, you know. She was a crazy cat woman, and then she went on a date. And she might not be as big of a character like McGucket, but, like, in the Society of the Blind Eye, she's used as a plot thing to introduce the Society of the Blind Eye. And the kids care for her, and we care for her now, too. So she might not be this big element, but, like... We care for everybody, and, like, that's why I really like this episode, and I'm going to say this again, Chris, and see if you... I'm just going to say this again. It's a nice reminder of why we love the town of Gravity Falls very late in the show. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> I know better than to push any further when, when you say that in this show. Isn't it nice to have everybody here safe and great? <laughs> So Todd Strange, I also I just wanted to say I had a note about Todd Strange. Like, even if he wasn't voiced by Cecil Baldwin and all the meta around the character, I just like that character a lot, too. That we're in this, like, really weird town, but you have this just, like, super-duper normal guy who's just like, I like white bread. It's the best. I can't remember what he gave a thumbs up to at the end, though, but it was something pretty weird. Something weird happened, or said so somebody said something weird or awful, and he was like, all right, so Ted Strange was still a little weird around the edges. Oh, 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 he went, oh, snap. Oh, what was it? Oh, <laughs> shit, I know, I see it now, I see it. But you know what I mean? He was, oh, snapping something pretty... <laughs> oh, it was <laughs> the, when Stan and Bud were, like, bickering, and everyone was just like, <gasps> and he goes, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I like about this episode is just kind of the grilling of, like, the weirdness of American politics. Like, take something like the caucusing in, what was it, Iowa? It's just, it's weird. Like, the rules of Gravity Falls' mayoral system makes just as much sense as our stupid electoral college. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it was funny because it, I like the throwaway line of, like, and the sheriff even, you know, he was even able to throw Gideon in adult jail, <laughs> you know. So I like that they acknowledge that. But, like, they sort of hit universal – what they were making fun of is just universal political themes, you know, jingoism and making broad types of voters all, you know, re reacting differently. Like, I mean, those political gags could have played in the 20s, 30s, 40s, all the way up to now, you know, anytime. It was, it was a lot about pandering or actually in the opposite case of – Stan being really bad at pandering, <laughs> and it, which is funny, though, because they, they sort of messed that up because it was good for the storyline. But Stan really should have understood politics a lot better. He's a grifter. Yeah, he's so much he smarter than he that. He should have fit like a glove into mayor. He should have he regularly will he you know, he will butter people's bread and and, and kiss some butt when it's to his advantage. And he will you know, butter somebody up to get what he wants. If they really wanted, the kids really wanted him to win, they would have said, hey, Grunkle Stan, just think of it as running your shop, but running the town and the townspeople are the customers. And bing, that's all he would have had to do to connect it all. And because the, the town people are standard cartoon show town people. They're suckers. It's like the Simpsons when the monorail guy came into town. They're if there if if somebody comes into any of these cartoon towns with any kind of grift, all, the townspeople are down with it automatically. That's how this <laughs> that runs a great story. Then then the main characters can be against it, but the townspeople are just endemically suckers. So 
Stan should have just been Stan. Instead, he was sort of like they had him like playing towards being sort of honest, <laughs> portraying an honest side of himself when he should have just been slicking himself up. But that's okay because it worked for the story. For what had to be shown in the story, it worked really well. I, I do agree with you because like there there are definitely parts in this episode where I'm I, I agree. I'm just like yeah, like he should have done so much better. It should have been his calling. I was like, oh, this is going to be the episode where Stan discovers his calling. You know? Yeah, and I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have nothing to add. You you summarized it summarized it really well for me. But like at the same time, I still really like the plot of this episode a lot too to, to kind of get into Stan a little bit because we saw in a tell of two stands that Stan has always lived in Ford's shadow even when he does something amazing like oh I don't know get a multi-dimensional portal up and running as a high school dropout Ford doesn't recognize that accomplishment so I like this episode because we get to dive more into like the mentality of where Stan is right now because his entire life has been about trying to please his family. You know, he wanted to prove his dad wrong. He worked for 30 years to get Ford back, and he's not recognized for any of that work. So it, I like this episode a lot because he, he's finally kind of doing something for himself for the very first time. The only reason he had the mystery check was to bring Ford back. But, like, this is – I feel like this is the first time where he was doing something for himself. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, doing something for his, himself – well, he, like a lot of times he's doing stuff for self-interest, but yeah, this was something more for his self-esteem. Yeah, and, and kind of like a life change as well. He could have mixed the two, though. That's the thing is he had the <laughs> perfect chance to mix those two aspects <laughs> of his yeah. personality. Because there's a big difference between like, you know, like a treat yourself on a daily thing and like making a life change for yourself. Like those are well, yeah. two very yeah, yeah. different things. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, that cold opening, the whole thing of him getting the light bulbs is just so brutal to watch, and I love it. <laughs> it's Simpsons-style pathos is what it is. I yeah, actually just... think this, this you're, you're not wrong, because the director or one of the writers, I think, is a main Simpsons writer on this. Uh, yeah, it's very Homer. It's very day in the life of Homer, except... Except he's even more like crinkly than Homer. He's more like Homer's dad. But it is. It's just him self-sabotage. It's him running into a combination of bad luck and self-sabotage all day. <laughs> Although I like the the pure surrealism of I needed something to carry some milk, so I used your slippers, Mabel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he just and it's just day to day life. He's just like uh. Yeah, Josh Weinstein was the uh, Simpson and, and Futurama writer on this episode. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, okay. You can tell. Not that that's a bad thing at all. No, nah, no, nah, it has that feel. What kind of gets me about this like story that like really kind of got me in the feels a little bit is, and it, and it sucks because it wasn't even Stan, but that moment after like the first stump speech and the kids like did the whole speech for him and stuff like that. He has that little moment where he hears everyone applaud, like cheering and applauding him. And he's never experienced that. He's just kind of like smiles and he looks so touched because it's probably the first time in his life that he's like felt that kind of accomplishment, you know, because like Ford was the one that was, had all the accomplishments. He's the ones that won all the awards and, and stuff like that. 
he gets moments of it. Remember, there was there was when the, they had the flashback of him figuring out how to get the shack running and like winning over all the customers by putting on a show, and all of a sudden everybody was like, "Yay!" and started handing him money. But it was for Ford, not for himself. He was. I think he was half surprised of like, how did it happen that everybody hated me? Then all of a sudden, I don't remember anything, and everybody's liking me. <laughs> but it's good. I'll take it. <laughs> but that moment, like where he got he got over the like one over the shack and one over the townspeople in the in the flashback, it was still all for Ford. It wasn't for himself, you know. And and that to me like is the difference. Like all of this is for himself. And I, I think that's why, like, the reveal that the twins have been using the tie, like, hits him so hard. Because he thought he was succeeding on his own merit. And he's never been worthy in his family's eyes. And now the kids, not maliciously, they were doing it to help him. But in his eyes, like, you know, they didn't see him as worthy enough to do it on his own. Because at least if Stan failed, he would have failed on his own merit and on his own. He would have failed because of what he did. They meant well, but they stripped him of all agency. <laughs> so let's talk about that, because that was the end of my stand notes. Well, let, let me do let me do my mild one first. Let okay. me get the mild one out of the way. Is is it? Uh, Ford's a lot like Stan. He's into his stuff, and and Dipper's there. He's just like, yeah, yeah, take the take the tie. Yeah, yeah, be be responsible with it, and giving it to a preteen kid. Because he was just he was he was like just distracted. He didn't care what it was getting used for, or whatever. He wasn't even really listening, and it was very Stan-like. But now Stan's got the kids' emotions, and uh, Ford's got their imagination a little bit r- right now, or a good bit right now, especially Dippers. But at the same point, he's sort of suffering. Fr- he's sort of showing some of the same traits as Stan did early on in the show. So I just thought that was. That was funny. He's not as he's not as noble and, you know, he's he's they've got a lot of each other in him. But OK, yeah, let's get to uh, the war crimes. Before we move on, I, I just wanted to know, I like that really that joke about Ford saying that he made the tie for Ronald Reagan's overlords. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's also that that also puts him in the same sort of ethical gray area as Stan. So, yeah. you know. All right. Talk to me about war crimes. Yeah, come on, man. For one, it's both just stealing someone's agent, controlling someone like a puppet like that is ethically just horrifying. Mm-hmm. Complete, complete loss of agency. There's all sorts of R words that can be used in, in brain body agency mm-hmm. with 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 that. Stan, he just sort of blacks out. Don't hey, you know he's a little pissed off about it. But it's not like, but Seuss. Oh, God, yeah. Innocent, zen-like, loyal friend to the end. Seuss gets used as a, as like a toy and is just short of vomiting in an existential like horror afterwards. He is totally aware of what's going on and repeatedly (laughs) gets just like, his like is in existential soul crushing pain afterwards while the story just sort of goes out while it's just treated as a background gag in the background. That actually is like my the one scene of this episode that I actually have a problem with, because I think it's really out of Dipper and Mabel's character to be so uncaring about his pain. Like that that to me is like the weakest scene of this entire episode. Like it's it's one of those things that like 
if they had acknowledged it. Like, I don't know, like, we saw how this, what this did to Seuss. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Just have a panicked Seuss grab him by the lapels and go, stop doing this to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because then <laughs> it would bring up that thing of, like, the very first stump where Dipper was like, okay, we'll only use this if Stan messes up. Because then that it would add a little bit more weight to that of, like, oh, my gosh, we saw what this did to Seuss, so we need to be very careful with how we use this on Stan. But, yeah, that's that one scene with Seuss is actually my least favorite scene and the weakest moment of the entire episode because I just don't see Dipper and Mabel being that uncaring towards Seuss. Uh, it actually almost feels like the end of the Little Shop of Horrors episode where they have – the uh, like where we decided the episode's not even canon, where they have the the customer trapped in the box and Mabel is playing tic tac toe with this person trapped there. It, it felt like the end of that episode with them being uncaring, yes. like it was almost like an alternate version of them. Yeah, well, that was that was one that was almost like this is not in a wink episode. This is a canon episode, you know. That yeah. was sort of like uh that was like sort of like Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors or something like that. Absolutely. So okay, we'll end we'll end dark. It's the Halloween episode. This is just dark. Yeah. This is just dark and it's like and it's like cruelty to the like kindest character and it's weird because this is there's lots of shows that are like that, you know, where there is a joke that where the just sort of the Simpsons family guy more so family guy's got a very like cynical view of the world. So a character that's like naive and kind is usually going to get the, the shit end of the stick. You mean Meg? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the way Meg is treated in that show, just like that's just the reason I stopped watching. I just cold I cruelty. Just, I, just, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with the the Meg after so many seasons. At first, it was just sort of almost like an over the top statement, but then as the years went by, it's like, okay, why do you keep making this statement? multiple times in shows there's even an episode where they address it where she like talks back to all of them and she pretty much like puts a stop to it and it breaks their family because apparently them abusing her is the only thing that's keeping their family together and she accepts it it's a yeah it's a bullshit episode like meg was the number one reason why i stopped watching family guy just because i just didn't couldn't do it anymore so yeah yeah it was just kind of but it's it's uncharacteristic of the show so it was just kind of like shockingly cruel <laughs> yeah absolutely because i i like the how they the idea i like the idea behind it but like the seuss execution it, it'd be one thing if seuss was perfectly fine and there was no repercussions just like with stan like there was no repercussions with stan he just kind of blacked out a little bit and then he was just like oh it's fine if seuss was treated that way because i liked the story that they were trying to do because for one this is a great way to slide gideon back into the show and it brings in that morally gray area because Dipper and Mabel are doing what Gideon's doing. Now it sort of tells us where it's going, too, because it was like, like I said last time, everything's sort of resolved. But now there's something that can come back in. Yeah. Because Gideon's doing it for evil reasons. But Mabel and Dipper, in their mind, were trying to help Stan. And it's still not a good reason to take away someone's agency. So, like, I liked the elements that they brought in, but the fact that like Seuss was traumatized and it's not addressed just really sours that chunk of the story for me their characters became and this fits with the political satire because they became like a politician's handlers you, or they became you know like the rnc or the dnc or something you know they basically became that the the people who are like controlling what a politician says which 
those people are very self-absorbed in making their person win. And Dipper and Mabel also had their own. It wasn't just for Stan's self-esteem. They were like, Gideon's dad cannot win this because he will will be bad for our whole, whole existence. He'll be bringing his grudges towards us. He stated as much. They were like, Stan can't mess us up. So it wasn't as much like, we got to make sure Stan feels good about this. We're, they were like, we got to make sure Stan doesn't mess this up so Gideon's dad doesn't win. So their intentions weren't, weren't pure, but it's politics. So it was a politics episode. So everybody gets ethically dirty by entering, <laughs> except for Gideon guy. <laughs> Who knows, though? We'll see what happens as him as mayor. It could go either way. You know, we're at this point in the show where, you know, everything's on the open. Everyone knows about, like, the weird mysteries and stuff like that. But I just realized that why didn't Mabel and Dipper talk to Stan about how, like, you need to win to keep Bud Gleeful from terrorizing us and, like, bringing Gideon back? Like, why didn't they work with Stan with that? Well, because it would have been a different show. They were trying to do a different show. Yeah, so, yeah. So, like, yeah, if it would have, that would have been the show where they were like, Stan, just be yourself, except you're fleecing everybody. You're not being yourself to present yourself. You're being your quote unquote self <laughs> to fool people. Then, then, then it would have been a, a, a different, a different, a different approach. I just thought of something though. Oh, about why Stan was so honest. It just hit me. Because he's just been living the last 30 years as someone that he's not. He's been living 30 years as Stanford. And he yeah. hasn't been able to be honest with everybody. And he hasn't been able to be himself. And this was the first yeah. time he could be himself. And then, oh my gosh, it just hit me. He's operating in his, it's not a midlife crisis, but he's in his identity. He's operating in his identity crisis instead of how to be a politician, to, as, instead of yeah, he's having an identity crisis. <laughs> so he's not being motivated by like the actual urge to win. He wants to win, but he's doing it through his identity crisis. So he's acting he's acting out. Yeah, and his rivalry with his brother as well. He wants to he even says as much like if I die, I want a bigger tombstone than Ford. He has this rivalry and this grudge with his brother. Oh, I just really just realized it hit me. I was like, oh, Stan, he just wants to be loved and be himself and wants someone to just say thank you to him. Thank you, Stan. I don't think I have anything else, do you? Not really. I just had those two big notes. I wrote down the words <laughs> Amera Freedom just because I just like America, freedom, Amera Freedom. And then the America guy was just like, good, he's saying all the right things. <laughs> I'm not sure that that hasn't actually been used at some time. Oh, it probably has. For America. It took me a second to realize what you said, for America. I, my, my brain just stopped because it was trying to somehow mix liberty in America, and it, none of it comes out good. L it's, it all comes out awkward no matter how you mix it up. It doesn't work. It, do it just doesn't work. Got to drop it. It doesn't work. Amerbity? Yeah. Liberica. Liberica. Sounds like you're trying to talk about a library of some sort or something, you know. Yeah, it it just it sounds like work. a space library, like we must go to the Liberica. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Find the MacGuffin of Quasi 4. To the MacGuffin. To the Liberica. <laughs> Liberica, where all the scholars live in the giant library. It's fun because I'm reading a Star Wars book and the main character is 
uh, well, one of the main characters is a Jedi, and he's like the Hermione Granger, the Jedi, and he's just like, no, outside's bad. I just wanted to live in the archives forever. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like, yeah, it's like just a whole country of the Jedi archives. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, but the archives. That's how I would, that, that would be me as a Jedi. I would just, I would be in the archives all the time, just like, wee, all these shelves. <laughs> Into the Dark is fun. The High Republic is fun. I'm enjoying it. All, everybody needs therapy in this these books. People who don't need therapy are not good to- subjects of stories. <laughs> well, if you don't have anything else, are you ready to get to the journal? I am. So there's actually not a lot. Um, there's no written part in the present day stuff. There's not, yeah. There's just a little, like I was thinking about that. There's not a lot to really cover in this except for maybe like something with Gideon and like just some dipper notes on the tie. Yeah, and and that's actually the only thing. This was written in the past before Ford lost journal to Dipper. So this is under a section called Magic Items. And it says, While I'm on the subject, I would like to catalog some of the more recent magical and mysterious items I have encountered in Gravity Falls. These put that junk sold at my family's pawn shop to shame. And one of the items is the tie of possession. My personal invention was created in college as part of a government-funded assignment regarding political persuasion. My prototype won first prize and was given over to men in black suits. They never gave me back the original, but luckily I kept a few others. And that's all it is. <laughs> that's all. I wonder if they actually like found a picture of Nixon and like copied one of his ties. That would be funny. Or Reagan, I mean. There's a, a chunk of this that I'm that's currently going on because it's pretty much uh, and this is where I was saying like the journal does a lot of legwork for Ford. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, Yikes. fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 1920, 21, 22, 23, 24. Are you glad you don't have 25. to read them? There's 25 pages where Ford documents what happened in the 30 years he was gone. Yeah, that's good. That's a good. That's a yeah. that's a decent amount to to uh yeah. It's really cool stuff, but it's also just stuff that like I'm debating like once we get done whether it's something I want to read on the show or well, not. Well, yeah, you know, you want to encourage people to buy the book. I'd rather you know, buy I the guess. book. <laughs> give give them something to enjoy when they do if they do get a copy of the book. Otherwise, people will be tying together this episode and making all the episodes and making it into an audio book for it. But really, like, just there's only really two pages that stay out to me of the 25 that I'm just like, oh, these are the two that I really want to read. But I'm not sure yet if I'm going to, because now that I know that you don't want, like, the dimension stuff yet. You could get you could give me the Reader's Digest when we're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't mind. The, it's the only time we see the importance of Adeloxel, um in this entire show is in this one page on this journal, the Adeloxel. Anyway, but that's it for the journal this week. And there's really not any connections to previous episodes. I only have the two ciphers. So you ready? I'm ready. Well, the cryptogram at the end of the credits, once it's deciphered, reads, Get him! And, and it really is like G-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-T-T-T-T-T apostrophe E-M. Well, as soon as they got the first, like, first two letters... 
they knew what it was, I'm guessing, Actually, when you were doing that no. cipher. no, it's a special cipher that the letters change with each letter. Oh, okay, so they thought of that ahead of time. Good on them. They did, they did. And finally, the flashing page cryptogram at the end of the episode, once it's deciphered, reads, Be wary of whom you belittle. Big problems can start out whittle. Obvious reference to Gideon. All right, Chris, what's your speculations this week? I think the tie will probably come back in some form, like they'll like incorporate it into somebody's jacket or something, but it probably shouldn't, but it probably will. That's my speculation. We'll probably see the tie, maybe not somebody like, here, put on this tie, but like, here, let's sneak this into somebody's hat or something at some point. Do you have any thoughts about the, we haven't really talked about it, that post, like that credit sequence with Gideon in jail. Well, that's setting up the rest. Of, I mean, now we got now we got the missing piece into where we're going to some extent because it sets up. OK, like we said, everything sort of with the story with with the stands is except for their personality problems are resolved. But we know how those can resolve story wise. But the lar- for the larger story, the beyond the character story into the mystery story. And now. Now we know how that's going to get kicked off. We know how Bill Cipher is going to be back into this. Gideon's going to let him back in. And, and, it, and, and the way they set it up is really nice because it shows Gideon's in a situation. He's, he's, he's in a country club jail. They're making friendship bracelets and stuff. But at the same time, he hates it. And Bill Cipher is, is his last desperate chance. Yeah, yeah, last resort. Exactly. And uh, so... So it sets it up nice. So he's exhausted all his ways out. So finally, he's going to do whatever has to be done with with Bill Cipher, which will be a big sacrifice of some sort, but it'll be worth getting out of jail. So that's good. That sets it up as, you know, what's what's going on. The only uh, thing I love is the poster in Gideon's thing. The the hang in there, baby. Yeah, the cat that's just like in there, but it's just like, hold on to that branch or die, cat. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> and the yep. cat just has this face of like Nee-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-
or I could do that or like certain hated celebrities if like I knew they were going on the mic and I could slip the tie out of control on them or you know like making uh Jeff Bezos like give money away and... yeah exactly exactly I'm giving I'm giving it all the charity it would be it would be a human rights violation but I don't know I don't I I want to I I don't want to be a hypocrite hope I know you wouldn't use it I don't know See how desperate I am. <laughs> I mean, that's so the, basically the, I'm saying speak for yourself, Mullinax. That's that's the ethical question of just like good people do bad things when they're desperate. I mean, just just look at the whole COVID pandemic. Like shoplifting has been on the rise, but the things that have been shoplifted are just things like diapers and bread. Good people do things when they're desperate, and I can't say, if, if I had a mind-controlling tie, I can't say what I would do if I was in a desperate situation. Well, I'd like to think that the universe is like a short story where you try to use, it's more, it's ethically bad to you. It's like the monkey's paw. It's like the, it's like Wonder, the Wonder Woman movie or whatever. It's like, you might want to do something good with it, but, you know, there's consequences to it and stuff like that. But I don't know if the like the universe works outside of the that outside of stories. So if I had the chance to make Be- Jeff Bezos go like, yeah, you know what, I'm uh, going to let my workers put together a union. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's get my lawyer right over here and let's start getting that paperwork together right now while I'm wearing the tie. This is my happy tie. And uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I'm going to take half of my money and split it up between all my workers right now. Let's get a calculator and figure that out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it would be worth it just to see Jeff Bezos the next go- day going, I take it back, I take it back. It might be. I would think about it. Yeah, I, that's that's why, sorry, patrons, we got into like now like a very ethical question debate now. <laughs> All because of you, patrons, this is what you do to us. You, you make us think inwardly. You make Chris look at his dark, slimy core. I'd love to get the tie on Elon Musk, to tell you the truth. I would rather, instead of slipping a tie of possession, I'd rather slip a tie of truth on him, like that Liar Liar movie or whatever, you know, or I don't know if he had something, like, was wearing an amulet or had a curse or something, but something like that. That would be fun. Fun, fun, fun with almost every politician. I don't know why I said almost every politician. I would love to slip, slip, a, slip the lasso of truth around all of them. So, wait. Are you Googling the ethics of... of, of no, uh, I'm doing math. Ties? I'm doing okay. math. It would be a lot of money. It would be a lot of money. I'm, I'm seeing would... if we took uh, Jeff Bezos's net worth and divided by the amount of people in the United States... Yeah, they wouldn't they work would there anymore. They wouldn't work there anymore. They'd go off and start their own businesses. No, 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 no. no. I... Like, how much, if it, uh, how much he w- could give to every single... Adult, like every single person in the United States, if we'd split his. Oh, that would still be good money. That would still be good money. If my math, and, and let me probably It would be this. thousands of dollars at least. Yeah. It would be thousands of dollars because when millions divide into billions, it's a lot. And there's only 300 million people and he has. 184 billion. Right. So, yeah, it would be thousands of dollars for everybody. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would absolutely love to see, you know, that money split up among people. 
Yeah, no. If you did, if you just split it up, if you split it up between his workers, they could uh, they could retire, they could form a business, they could do a charity. I mean, they could... this fuckface makes two hundred and pretty much two hundred thousand dollars a minute. Yeah. A minute. I just realized I did. Yep. Right now. A minute, Chris. A minute. Yep. A minute. <laughs> So yeah, that's probably the ethical thing I would do for humanity is be like. Let's well, I'm just saying it's a that. question. <laughs> I'm not gonna answer that question absolutely so quickly because once I start thinking about it, I start thinking, hmm. Yeah. Maybe I could. Maybe I could bend my moral fiber a little bit. But those make the most interesting stories. Is what do people bend their moral fibers for? When yeah. they're oh yeah 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 yeah. You when you're don't... a desperate and b given, you know the power to do so but yeah anyway hey guys <laughs> hey patrons hi <laughs> patrons sorry we got into that question you know who i wouldn't do that for billy and lynn and heather and brian and patrick and Bree and jean and bucho and alex and kate i would definitely not possess you guys for a tie because we love you i would give them possess- possession ties so they could possess people to make into more patrons no, I wouldn't want to do that. I no. I I would not feel. <laughs> I would not feel good now. Tempt our patrons into into uh, moral hell. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Well, here's how I know I wouldn't do that. So actually, it was it was like last weekend or something like that. Somebody had confused me for another podcaster because we and it was a friend of mine. It was our, our my friend Jana, and because we have our podcast like my website and her podcast have similar names. Uh, I got this message from my Kofi account, and it's like, someone bought you a coffee, and I was like, oh, and then I opened it, and I was like, oh, wow, that's really generous, that's so nice, and I'm reading the message, and it's like, if you're really great, I really love the work, keep up the good work, Jonna, and I was like, oh, it's not for me, <laughs> so we had to, like, I, I had to, like, co- like, get in contact with Jonna and, like, forward her the money, because I just did not feel right Did you just this. coffee her money, like? Yeah, like, that would be so wrong to keep her money, and when it was from somebody else, and I even contacted the person, I was like, well, I was gonna say you should contact the person because they could be like hitting you up monthly <laughs> yeah i did i did i, I did contact money. the i did contact the person i was like i just want you to know i'm not jana and you sent it to the wrong person and i actually asked him i was like would you like me to refund you so you can then send it to her like what would you want me to do with this and they're like no nah, you can keep it and i was like i don't want to keep it i don't feel right keeping this when it was meant oh, for somebody keep else it. No, I Keep didn't. It. I didn't. I forwarded it to Jonna. <laughs> Keep that. <laughs> no, no, no. I forwarded it. was for her, and I, I, I forwarded it to Jonna. But, like, that's that's me. Like, I could not, like, in good graces be like, patrons, go mind control somebody else and make them follow me because I couldn't even set, keep money after somebody told me to keep money. <laughs> I did not feel right about it. <laughs> so, yeah, but we love you, patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. All right, Chris, what are your final thoughts on this episode? I liked it. It was fun. The The prickly parts of it were made it interesting. So, yeah, I, I don't particularly like have a big problem with the moral horrible horror to it. But it was just it just sort of stood out because I know Seuss isn't a real person, but it made it it made it interesting. <laughs> That's for sure. That that Yeah. Prickly parts is a good way of putting it. It could have run afoul with so many things in politics, and it and it and it dodged all that, and <laughs> it just went into a total like agency issue. <laughs> yeah, the prickly parts 
is what keeps this from being one of my favorite episodes. It's actually more like weird with the agency stuff than the end of when Kane died. Yeah, or or something like sock opera where like Bill took over Dipper's body because the whole time that was happening, it was like you knew it was wrong. It recognized that it was wrong that Bill had Dipper's body. Like it, yeah. it showed the horrors of it, and it made sure you right, knew it. Right. But this is like it's all played for a joke. Well, Bill is a character that you would expect to do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I will say there was a very heavy theory um, after Sock Opera that this whole time Dipper was Bill the entire time playing a slow game. And of course, I, you know, I'm telling you now that theory doesn't work out. But that was a theory for a lot of season two is that Bill was a lot of it because like, I don't want to say Bill Dipper became callous, but he just kind of became tougher and started pulling away from Stan and like really hyper fixated on Ford. But, you know, he's a teenager and it's what he does. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't like if Bill was in Dipper. I think he would have played Dipper weaker because he would have viewed Dipper condescendingly. Yeah. But like, yeah, they, and I think that like, I mean, that's a valid theory, I guess. It's maybe something I might have thought up to, but like, they, I think they would have dropped more breadcrumbs if that was the case. Yeah. They would have given a few more little hints. But yeah, the the prickly parts is like the thing that keeps this from being one of my favorite episodes because I actually really like this episode for Stan. I think this is a really good Stan story, especially at this point in the show, at this point in the season. Uh, although I still think if the eagle kisses you, you should be mayor. <laughs> the birdly kiss. That's the that's the official <laughs> part of it, not the votes. If the eagle kisses you, that's that that's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> kiss gets me every time i just love when dipper is saying the rules he's like i literally couldn't make this up if i tried yeah but it's real <laughs> like american politics it's yeah. real yeah yeah the eagle kissed him it happened <laughs> can yeah. you imagine if that was our actual politics if we just threw boats at people i wouldn't be uh, we would be used to it by now and it would not be out of line yeah it wouldn't be any weirder than anything else yeah iowa caucuses yeah i was just gonna say any like go to go to pick a random random state that holds caucuses and you're you're yeah the iowa caucuses is weirdo but like that was because it was a standout you know that got attention paid to it but there's thousands of those around the country that are doing shit like that we just haven't found out those county and wyoming's caucus that flips over chairs to determine stuff anyway where can people find you chris you can find me at two truefreaks.com a collection of mostly politics-free podcasts because they're full of nerd stuff. Although, you know, there's politics and everything's political, but whatever. TwoTrueFreaks.com, tons of podcasts, including the podcast that Hope and I do over there called J-Guys and Jedi, which has been running for years and years and years. I just started polishing up episode 254 for our next release, which is already out by now. But, yeah, you can find them all there. You can find them on iTunes. You can sign up for the, the RSS feed there on your device. And you can uh, you can go to the social networks of Facebook and see the Two True Freaks podcast page and see all our releases by everybody and the Two True Freaks cantina. And we are also on Twitter. I have nothing to do with that. That's all Gene Gene, the Twitter machine. He runs our Twitter page. You caught me off guard because I was about to say it, and then you kept talking, and I was like, Gene is just gathering podcast power by getting his name mentioned in, like, podcasts around the world, by listening to millions of podcasts, and by generally being a Gene and being a machine. 
he lives it. But that's where they can find me. What about you, Hope? Where, where are you at? Of course, this is the animation podcast for geekygirlexperience.com. Um, you can find all my reviews and such over there. Of course, I mentioned my lovely patrons, who I love dearly, and that's at patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. You can follow me on Twitter at Hope Molinex. And, as Chris said, we do have a Star Wars podcast, and if you want to follow us on Twitter there, it's at Jedi. You ready for the title of next week's episode, Chris? I guess I am. It sounds good. I like next week's episode. Next you're getting all hissy about it. And... I, yeah. I think you're going to like next week's episode, too. You ready? I'm ready. The last maple corn. The last maple corn? Yeah, the last maple corn. The last maple corn. No, Mabel. Like, the character Mabel. Mabel corn. It, I don't it, know what it's a pun on. The the movie The Last Unicorn. Oh! I was thinking, like, The Last Samurai, not The Last Jedi. Oh, I forgot about The Last... I've never seen The Last Unicorn. I, I haven't either, and I hear it's really, really good. Well, maybe someday... We should make each other watch our, it. One of our, our special... Special animation viewings. Because I do have a couple, like, that's one, and the Black Cauldron, um, like, like the red-headed stepchild of Disney movies. I have never seen the Black Cauldron before. Like, there's there's a couple I would definitely love to actually sit and watch. I've seen the Black Cauldron. It's hobbled. It was cut and recut, and, like, stuff didn't make it into it. But it's it's an interesting, it was interesting. Last, last Unicorn, I've heard nothing but good things, but it was one of those... It was a sleeper, and like by the time like I was hearing about it, it had already run through the movies years before that, and nobody heard of it, and you know I just never caught it on cable or or saw it in the video store or anything. But I've always heard that it was really good. It's one of uh, Danny Sexbang's favorite movies from Game Grumps. It's like his oh. favorite movie. Here, here's how you'll know that next week is good because I will have a lot of background information notes. Ooh. There's a lot of background information notes. Like I'm just scrolling through the wiki right now, and I'm just like, God, how much of this am I actually gonna use? <laughs> it's gonna be fun. We're gonna, and there's gonna be, and Heather, I can finally, finally read your comment next week. I've been holding. I, I have your comment. You're my little pony comment. But I was waiting for the unicorn episode. You're in the notes. It's just hanging in the notes, waiting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, every I, week. Yeah. I thought it would be uh, very fitting to have your unicorn, My Little Pony comment in the, the unicorn episode. So. All right. Well, we will see you next week. Yes. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. 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 What if we just got, like, like wrongly, like, passive-aggressive? Just like, bye. 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 No. That's the end of the Muppet movie. Go home. Go home. <laughs> Fine. Bye. Uh-huh.